And then uh, I made the I made the formal announcement uh, on Twitter uh, to the predictable hooting of my awful followers uh, there. But uh, I did want to note that uh, part of the outline and script for uh, this episode was done by uh, a new addition to the team, uh, our intern, uh, Julius. Uh, which is not his real name, but uh, since this young man is uh, just starting out in a, the beginning of what I sh- I'm sure will be a much better career than mine, uh, figured we wouldn't uh, drag him down with us uh, <laughs> by forcing him to uh, to name himself. Unless any of the stuff he contributed turns out to be not true, in which case I'm going to tweet. Writing a letter yeah. directly to his employer. Yeah. <laughs> oh, no, we can totally dox him if he fucks up. Yeah, that's, that is true. Uh, and... Maybe we can give them to our friends over at Kiwi Farms. <laughs> uh, but anyway, I wanted to say uh, thank you to Julius uh, for the assistance on the outline. Uh, and he's given some good ideas for episodes. Uh, and I'm excited. I think it's a new chapter uh, for this august uh, institution. Just feels very appropriate for a bunch of lawyers to have unpaid young labor doing uh, some heavy lifting. Yeah, the legwork. Welcome to ALAB. My name is Tarek, and this is the third installment of our series, Lawyer Brain, wherein Michael, Andy, and I talk about the meteoric rise and equally meteoric descent of Professor Ian Samuel. I hope you enjoy. Um, And I suppose we should get uh, into... A story that I think we've been struggling with whether to tell, whether or not to tell. Uh, <laughs> I have gone back and forth on this so many times in the last like week and a half. Well, I mean, starting with a, a clerk and uh, the threat of his life being ruined feels right for this episode. <laughs> exactly. And we are, of course, of talking about the short, strange journey of one uh, Ian Samuel. Let's start off by saying that, again, uh, we've, we've wondered if this was a story that was right to tell, but it's just got too many good and directly on point uh, uh, aspects to it. And, you know, our mission statement here, I think, for the podcast has always been to tell the unflattering stories about the law and the legal profession. Um, and this is certainly... Uh, well within uh, our wheelhouse, you know. So I want to be sensitive uh, to not kicking a guy when he's down, but I think it would not be doing justice to to our mission uh, if we didn't uh, kick him a little bit. Yeah, I'm not gonna put <laughs> <laughs> I'm not gonna put his interests quite first. Um, I think that yeah. we is very likely we may have one or two additional listeners to our normal audience who, uh, when they hear this topic, who would probably not have a problem with us kicking him when he's down. Yeah. And at least one listener who might have a problem. Uh, 
Hey, Ian, man, I'm sorry about this. Please don't uh, sue us or whatever. But again, it's it's just it's such a good story, right? I mean, it's it is. every it's, time we pulled a thread on this thing, something wild came out of it. Yeah, it, it's a good story when you know the surface level, and then it just the deeper you go, the better it gets. Like on one level, we have this like morality play, and you know we have a guy with a, an incredible rise, uh, only to get, uh, you know his own Shakespearean central flaw to cause him to, you know, tragically self-destruct. And right. uh, that that's just like the simplest angle of the story. But it's got so much more. It's got family court. Right? <laughs> yes, it does. It's got like sex pest predator shit. It's got two of the most vile judges the federal court system has ever had on offer. <laughs> It's got a representation for Trump for America. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, the the worst law firms, the the worst people. It's um it's perfect. It's a story. So Yeah. We hope you guys enjoy it. Yeah, it's 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 a story about a man who dreamed big and achieved those dreams. Dreams of rubbing elbows with the porcine elite. Uh, of the legal profession, uh, who was brought down uh, by his own uh, horny, uh, I think is the best way to say it. I mean, this is uh, this is a guy who did better than you ever will. So, like, if yeah. you yeah. listen to this podcast, except for like one or two people, this guy smoked you in law school. He got better yeah. offers. He did way better than you. He is smarter than you. Uh, yeah, and he he came from nowhere. I mean, he's, he smoked everyone in, in life, really. Like, he had one of the most prestigious jobs in his profession, got a $300,000 signing bonus. We'll, we'll get to all that stuff. But, I mean, he pretty much did as well as you could do in his profession. And uh, now... <laughs> now <laughs> Not <it> so is. <laughs> much. <laughs> yeah, there's been a meteoric descent. Uh, but he's this guy who is this... A uh, super Catholic socialist, uh, very online kind of guy. Um, he's a debate club nerd who <laughs> blogged assiduously and in great detail in like the early 2000s, was like right on with blogging immediately, uh, right. every little detail of his life. But he had these, he had these dreams of, of, you know, cracking the ceiling into the highest echelons of power in America. He's uh, a very vocal male feminist. Or was. Or was, yeah. <laughs> who had a lot of thoughts on Me Too that he wanted to share, um, you know, in Twitter, on Twitter, uh, online, and, you know, for Vice, I think, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yes. Uh, uh, he was up in those DMs. Yeah, uh, he, was. Posting, we, <laughs> that, that he was. Posting traps. Yep. <laughs> Uh, but anyway, we are talking about former professor, as we said, Ian Samuel, uh, who has uh, got a number of followers on Twitter, uh, has made appearances on uh, Tucker Carlson, uh, the Vice, as, as mentioned before, has written articles, including uh, an impassioned defense of Amy Coney Barrett uh, most recently. Uh, so he is definitely uh, somebody who has 
aspired to a public life, uh, if not uh, actually lived one. Yeah, uh, and I think later. I think he yeah. th- th- he was on he was on a legal podcast before called First Mondays, which I think was yep. starting to situate him as like a real commentator and luminary in the legal community. Well, that that's that's one of those law podcasts that you could actually take seriously, unlike some others. Uh, I mean, they were all people who were previously clerks to uh, Supreme Court justices. Yeah, accomplished, I, intelligent right. people with interesting things to say about new stuff at like the Supreme Court. Shit that you will never hear out of us because we don't give a fuck about any of that and none of us have anything <laughs> that interesting to say about the Supreme Court. I mean, maybe Michael does, but Tark and I, yeah, I that, it's not, yeah, our, yeah, that's, not our speech. That's, that's a different podcast. <laughs> yeah. I don't, uh, I have nothing intelligent to say about the Supreme Court. No, I mean, uh, but this, but, but these people did. These people did, and Ian was situating yeah. himself uh, in there. He was a, you know, he was a yeah. big contributor. It's not h- hard to imagine a future for him where he got tenure um, and became, you know, someone who was like a go-to for news orgs, right? To to reach out to as a legal commentator and you know a, a decently prominent professor and. You could see that happening for him, which seemed to be what he wanted. Oh, yeah. I think we'll get into that more as we talk about his career. But, yeah, I agree. I think I think he had a trajectory beyond the position he was in um, if he hadn't decided to, you know, to fuck it up. <laughs> yeah. So this yeah. this guy has, like, well, we, we, we touched on it earlier, but this guy has the perfect start to a law career, right? He's a – he's – He's coming up in debate circles. They're winning tournaments. He's he's active in forums. He, uh, but but he's he's coming from like what is it Truman State? Truman yeah. State. So yeah. he, I mean this is this is not. I mean let's say at the outset for a Supreme Court clerk. You know when we talked to, in in the Be Like Brett episode uh, of the Lawyer Brain series, uh, this is not a person who is doing the double Yale. Uh, right treadmill no uh, you know no. Uh, supported by mommy and daddy who were professors at Yale that kind of shit I mean right. this is a guy who seemingly scrapped his way up from slightly more uh, relatable beginnings yeah uh, right so then he goes to, he goes to NYU and starts cleaning house and, and I'll tell you, you you guys probably had this experience I'm, I'm sure might but you had this experience well I certainly did at NYU where there are like different stratifications of people that you might uh, arrive at in your own personal classifications. I did this. Um, I saw people who went to you know Harvard, Yale, Stanford, some real big shots. And, and even among those people, you could tell that there were some that got there by you know maybe an interesting project they did, or maybe their parents were really mm-hmm. rich or something. And then there were the ones who were extremely smart. Obviously, those some people from those schools are, are extremely well qualified and very competitive. Yeah. Now, Another strata of people that's that's I've, I always I found very interesting in law school were the people who went to like Oregon State, UGA, and just normal state colleges. But these are legitimately fucking smart people who, yeah, uh, you know, they couldn't yeah. swing or afford uh, or or have the clout connections to get into these ultra powered uh, uh, undergrads. But then when they get into these law schools, you know, these these kind of mediocrities who came from the from the high schools, yeah. they have no idea what the fuck hit them when they right. watch this Oregon State kid just blow by them like they're standing still because you just ran into an, an actual smart person. And right. Ian and, is and, one of these guys. And, and they, you, I feel like a lot of them feel like they have something to prove, too, which uh, is makes them even, I think, more impressive because they're more motivated and, and they work harder than just about anyone. It's a... Uh, yeah, they're the most impressive people in law school, for sure. Yeah, and you see some of these Stanford kids 
when they get blown out after you know in first year you see them like going into like depressions and shit you know second semester <laughs> because they don't know what the fuck happened and, and anyway yeah. Ian's, Ian's one of these people at least as far as i can tell yeah. that's what he looks like to me somebody who just showed up with a full ride from nowhere and uh and apparently blows it out and we know this because of how he performs after law school so we can kind of assume he did pretty well Oh, I was going to say, yeah, his first summer, like his summer associateship was at Boys Schiller, which is just an insanely selective firm. That's a good poll. That's, yeah, that's, you know, most, if you're not in the top 10, 15 schools, it doesn't even matter if you're like number one in your class. They don't even recruit outside those schools, you know? So he was doing very well immediately. And then he goes from there to clerk for, uh, you know, after law school one of the most prominent appellate judges in the country. And um, one of the horniest. Yes. <laughs> Friend of the pod, yeah. <laughs> Judge Judge Kaczynski. Alex uh, Kaczynski. Alex Kaczynski. Who Dating is... game uh, contestant. Um, <laughs> no man who invented Pornhub. Notably oh. canceled. Go <laughs> yes. listen to episode two if you want to hear more about Alex Kaczynski. We covered him in great He's... detail. Um, Nothing to see here. Sabotaged. Yeah. Yeah, So then this federal court cyber this summer internship at Boy Schiller ends up not meaning anything because after he clerks for Kaczynski, he gets a Bristow fellowship to go work in the Solicitor General's office. I'm kind of reading off his LinkedIn. Um, That's a great fellowship. It's very selective. You don't get it uh, by slipping on a fucking banana peel. Um, yeah. So what's the Bristow? That's a that's a that's you, paid fellowship to work at the Solicitor General. That's right. The Solicitor General. If you're not a lawyer, you're not familiar with this uh, framework. The Solicitor General is the government's representative before the Supreme Court. They specifically work in the Supreme right. Court. They sometimes also handle appeal decisions for uh, the federal government in the sense that they might not necessarily be the ones litigating the appeal, but they might. You might have to get approval from them in order to appeal. This is this is pretty elite stuff. Yeah. I mean, Kagan came out of the Solicitor General's office, and that's Roberts that's came not, out of the Solicitor General's Roberts, office. Big yeah. Sh- yeah, this is big shit. So this this is a guy who worked at one of the most elite firms uh, as a summer associate, worked for one of the most elite judges uh, as a clerk, and then in one of the most elite positions in the government. Right, and then uh, he rolls that into at least according again to his resume, he rolls that into getting a job at civil appellate. Now, civil appellate at DOJ, I mean, this is one of the highest spots you can get as far as visibility on government because everything comes through there. Sooner or later, every single agency, every single program ends up having to have an appeal handled by civil appellate, and civil appellate sees everything. So it's it's an extremely interesting place to work. Again, another place you don't don't get there by accident. Um, This is all hot shots. Uh, a lot, you know, it's loaded with, like, Yaley's and Stanford's all talking about their reunions that they just went to and shit. You know, his his career is doing extremely fucking well, and I cannot emphasize enough that he did, he did if you're listening to this, he fucking did better than you did. <laughs> yeah. Oh, he definitely yeah. did better than me. I did, and, and I'm, I'm, I'm not just listening. I'm doing the podcast. So. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and so he's at, he's at Civil Appellate for the Department of Justice, uh, and he's, he was there for how long? A couple of years? It looks like a couple of years. Yeah. And this is, a, this is a regular enough kind of trickle pedigree that some people use to go where he goes next. Right, which is the Supreme Court. The Supreme Court. Right. But not just any Supreme Court chambers. Uh, no. <laughs> no, that's right. Uh, Justice Scalia, which actually makes perfect sense now that, now that I think about it. Um, Scalia famously likes having one, you know, liberal counterclerk that he can argue with about issues, 
keep him honest and maybe write like when he actually writes a decent First Amendment or Fourth Amendment opinion since Scalia, you know, was OK on criminal criminal defendants rights and things like that. Somewhat and the, okay. Right? I mean, somewhat okay. <laughs> better, better than Breyer. Let's not go crazy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, and, and so here you have Ian, who is this incredible resume, is lefty, is also a Catholic, Catholic yeah. like Scalia likes, and sort of maybe has the humble beginnings that might turn off, you know, the liberal justices who are comparing him to, you know, other great pedigrees, but. You know, Scalia's got a, the humble beginnings as well. It's it's like just perfect bait for him. So in in essence, he's he's plotted the course flawlessly, right? Yeah, coming from Kaczynski too, which was like a classic feeder to, I believe, Scalia amongst other judges. Well, that's right, and, which we discussed again in episode two. Um, yeah, stopping at all the red spots within the USDOJ. Uh, but again, I mean, kind of a moonshot uh, from a computer major at Truman State. Yeah, I mean, yes. if, you, if yes. you are a 1L, you fucking wish. You fucking yes. wish that you could even <laughs> yeah. approach this kind of arc. You fucking dream. Yeah. This, is, this man got a fucking, found a genie in a bottle and was granted three wishes. Yeah. <laughs> and this is what you get. Yeah, well, he must have found a fucking monkey's paw. <laughs> yeah, that, that's based on what happens yeah. next. So I think that I think that Ian is or Ian is 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 legitimately a liberal. Right. Yeah. Now he, well, he he's currently holding himself out as a socialist uh, online. I I'm not sure that I agree that most online socialists aren't just liberals cosplaying. But le- let's leave that aside. <laughs> um, but I, I I sort of have struggled with you know sort of the 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 concept of an actual socialist you know working for Scalia, and I sort of also have struggled with even just the baseline morality uh, of working with Scalia. But we were talking this out and. And Julius, uh, who's smarter than all of us, uh, pointed <laughs> right. out that I don't think you get to pick. Is that right? Yeah. Um, you, if, if you apply to the Supreme Court, you have to apply to all nine justices. So you can't not apply. I, I think technically you can turn down the offer if you get it. But like I think you're expected even to take it if you apply. Right. right. I mean, uh, I think that's very gauche. Yeah. <laughs> right. Career destroying. Well, that's uh, a real nice were, story for yeah. uh, for hot shots. But I'll tell you who didn't apply to the Supreme Court. This guy right here. <laughs> yeah, that's right. No, it's I look, I could easily talking out of my ass, say I would never work for Scalia. And if I were ever in position to apply for the Supreme Court clerkships, <laughs> Like, I don't think I would have applied to Scalia. But if you have to apply to all of them and you get the interview, I mean, who are we fucking kidding? There's no way anybody's turning that down. That's, you know, that's precisely how, Mm -hmm. you know, this shit works. They dangle something incredibly prestigious before you and all that implies. Yeah, and not only the prestige, but remember, again, if you listen to episode two, there's also a check. (laughs) 
There is a guaranteed yes. check, and Scalia brought it up in the interview. We know because yeah. because Ian talks about it in his, in some article where he's like really fawning over Scalia. Uh, but one of the things he yeah. talks about is that Scalia says, "Look, when you get done here, you got to go private. You got to go take a yeah. you got to soak these guys because they give you money. So they, they like it. They they yeah. enjoy the fact that by giving you the clerkship, they're also kind of handing you a sweepstakes. Yeah, yeah, you're gonna. Ian would walk out of that with a three hundred thousand dollar check in his pocket and getting to go waltz into a big firm as like what like a fifth or sixth year associate so his his salary is going to be like two hundred fifty thousand dollars a year after that with that skipping all the bullshit you know junior associate uh miserable years it's it's a fucking great deal you do that for two years and and you're walking out with almost a million dollars now go do whatever you want i'm gonna i'm gonna i'm gonna say a couple things number one we don't know that it's three hundred. That's what we believe it to be, but uh, you know, we're, we're alleged, that's, allegedly. That's what uh, above the law yeah. reports. Yeah. So yeah, but it's not presu- presumably that he he was treated in the way that uh, we understand industry standards to work. Uh, none of us, as we've noted, have been in a position to really test that uh, <laughs> right. data set. Um, but I would also say, like I've I've been aware of, and frankly irritated by, uh, Ian. Uh, for many years uh, on Twitter. <laughs> and I have had less charitable moments where I've said, eh, this motherfucker is clerking for Scalia like a scumbag. I got to yeah. admit, I, if, if in fact that's how it goes, I, I would have I clerked for Scalia too. Yeah, um, for sure. I'm, I'm going to take that Absolutely. one back. Yeah, uh, I mean, if give, somebody hands yeah. you, like, here's a ton of prestige and all you got to do. Look, I'm even giving you a story about how it's okay because you're the counter clerk and you kind of fight with them. And I'm giving you $300,000 and it's and it's a feather in your cap for the rest of your career. Uh, I think like Michael said, right, we can all talk out of our ass about how we wouldn't do it. But get the fuck out of here. None of us is being offered right. the fucking chance to do <laughs> right. I sold out. I sold is, out for far, yeah. far less. Let's just put it that way. <laughs> it's it's not hard to to construct the rationalization in your brain that would make it feel okay, right? It's it's way too easy. Uh, you, you, anybody who thinks they wouldn't do it is fucking fooling themselves. They are. It's we, we all would. especially if so. you come now. I don't, I don't know what his family background is, but if you went to Truman State, I'm kind of guessing he's not like a real rich kid. Um, yeah. Look, man, three hundred thousand yeah. dollars. Get the fuck out of here. That's like more than my parents made for like a decade. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Your your life is forever changed after that. Not that he was doing poorly up to that point, but like that's that's it. You made it to a degree that it seems like could never be taken back. <laughs> you would. Think. You would think. You would think. You would think. <laughs> so he takes Scalia's advice. He comes out of the clerkship and he goes to Jones State, which is kind of not. Now, it's one thing to say you would go, you take the clerkship with Scalia. But if you don't know, Jones Day is a real red flag firm as far as... Yes. <laughs> yes. yes. That's not where I would say you're going to do good work. Well, especially, no. especially if you take the fundamental premise that once you have done your time uh, bringing Scalia his oyster fork... <laughs> You know, right. <laughs> that you can, you have your pick of legal jobs. Right. And if you want right. to go to big law to cash in, you got your pick of big law firm. Oh, yeah. Right? Plenty of right. appellate shops. I mean, I mean, like, the, I, I will say this appellate shops are notoriously fucking snobby, and they often mm-hmm. will. Uh, we'll get to that. Uh, so, they, so they often. 
you know, will even proudly state things like, look, we don't, we don't even look at your resume if it's not from, you know, X, X tier university and NYU is, you know, borderline at best, I think for that. Uh, it's like Harvard, Yale, Stanford are the real, are the real standards, uh, for a Pella shop. But once you, I mean, once you've got like the Supreme Court clerkship, uh, yeah. I mean, you're as qualified as anybody who's in that fucking shop. Yeah. And, and there are, I mean, maybe Jones Day was had the biggest payout, but I doubt, you know, it would have been that big a step down to go to like Paul Weiss, you know, or O'Melveny and Myers, who has a, a very vibrant Supreme Court. Jenner and Block uh, practice, would have been happy right? for him to stop by. Yeah, there there are a lot of firms that do serious appellate work right in in front of the Supreme Court who would pay market rate and aren't fucking Jones Day, which is just this international behemoth that uh, that's just the fucking worst. They're and the like, worst. I, it's, it's hard to like pick out a thing from Jones Day to describe them to you. The thing that I always remember is that Rahm Emanuel hired them as consultants uh, to <laughs> destroy benefits in the city. And like they, you know, right. it, due to Perfect. some lawsuit, it ended up being produced this, uh, this PowerPoint that he, you know, obviously paid for with public dollars. And all it is is just like, just put old people in a fucking meat grinder because you spend an enormous amount on them. So if you just fucking get rid of them, look, you're going to be saving a ton of money. And then you legalize gambling. So the ones that stay alive, they're going to give all that money back. It's great. It's a fucking great idea. Um, and this is, this is like Jones Day. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, jo- Jones, Day, Jones Day is the law firm in like the. Keanu Reeves movie where it turns out that the name partner is the devil. The big reveal is that you're working for literal Satan. Yeah. Um, and he picked that. You know, that one's what, on was him. It, wasn't that Obama guy, Greg Craig? Wasn't he in Jones Day or was he in Scadden? I don't know who you're talking about, but there's a guy named Greg Craig. <laughs> Yes. Well, so your fucking parents thought about your name for two seconds, man. Give me, give me two. Oh no, he was at Scadden because this is the guy that got arrested in the Mueller investigation. So for a second, I thought we could be like, you know, but it's a different shitty big law. I'm gonna start introducing myself as Greg Craig. (laughs) That's even better than Ty Beard. (laughs) All right. So at Jones Day, um, how long was he there? A couple of years. Um, yeah. I'm guessing that you can't just sweep in, grab the SCOTUS clerkship bonus, and then roll out. There's probably and some... And leave in nine months. You yeah. know what I mean? There's probably Minimum. a couple of year commitment. Yeah, he's probably got a right. contract with a clawback of some mm-hmm. kind, right? Like the, mm-hmm. I think if that, you leave before X, you got to pay us back. Yeah, I'm just imagining my guess is that's pretty standard. Um, so I was looking at his pacer. You guys know this because I was talking to you today about it. But I was looking at him on pacer and finding like what he did at Jones Day. Um, weirdly, I didn't find any stuff, even from when his time as civil appellate, I didn't find him as like independent lead counsel on anything. I'm not sure how they do it there. Uh, but I did find some of his stuff from Jones day and his pacer record's real fucking weird. Like every appearance he makes has the wrong email address on it. Every single (laughs) fucking one. He's appearing for Jones day, but the email address that's listed is Ian at iansamuel.com. (laughs) <laughs> now maybe maybe that's the correct email address but it's not like quite that's so weird appropriate you would have like ian at jonesday.com i i could i could see him being a big enough narcissist 
that he has his own email that he like forwards his Jones Day email to, right? But you'd still put your fucking Jones Day email on the brief since it's getting forwarded to your personal email anyway. Yeah, like when he it's created his weird. Pacer account, that's the email address he used? Or I don't know. It's fucking strange to me. Uh, and yeah. then the other thing I found, I mean, you know, a lot of it is just like normal corporate rep or whatever. But I did find one where he was counsel of record for like <laughs> the Trump campaign or for like a Trump <laughs> political action, you know, elect Trump, Trump for America. Uh, yeah, Trump yeah, for America, yeah. something like that. Um, and it was it was like a copyright suit. The the plaintiffs were saying, "Look, we don't really like this guy. We took a picture of a bald eagle, and it turns out that this organization is, uh, you know, merching our picture and you know putting it all over the place. You guys never talked to us about it. So that case, I think, gets pretty quickly settled uh, because it's voluntarily dismissed very soon after Ian uh, enters his appearance in the case. But he's like, that's what he's doing at Jones Day is cleaning up, is m- right mopping up." The fucking shitter for this Trump campaign, Trump. and this is April 2016. Yeah, so this right. is like, this is he's like fucking won the nomination at this point, right? You know, he is he is literally representing like the Trump campaign or entities with the Trump campaign in 2016. Yeah, <laughs> yes, and posting and posting it's, on on Twitter, you know, right, you know, as he makes these filings and, and draws up his settlement documents, you know, like. Bert, they're stealing the nomination from Bernie. Socialist. <laughs> I don't know what he was posting at that point. But he's I'm, I'm making up that he was doing that. But, like, given his persona, that's, like, the believable but thing. He, he definitely was doing that. Like, I mean, come on. That's 100% what he was doing. I don't know if he was leaning that hard into the socialist thing at that point or not. I mean, I think 2016 was kind of the inflection point where libs all decided they were socialists, uh, except for me. <laughs> I'm the last true lib. Yeah. Uh, but um, I voted for Ralph Nader in 2000. <laughs> don't, so, well, don't I, I've never me. doubted your bona fides. I've been a spoiler piece of shit since I was born. <laughs> there, there you go. Um, I, I also want to note, because... Um, it is a tradition in this series uh, to ask people to, to go to domains and look at things. Yes. <laughs> yes. Amazing. Yes. Amazing. Just like his yeah. as you noted, um, the briefs all gave Ian's contact information at as Ian <laughs> at Ian right? Yes. I yes. encourage everyone to visit Ian Samuel.com. <laughs> it's so good. I it's was surprised. So I mean, we wouldn't have figured it out if we hadn't linked the email uh, into the chat and seen the redirect. <laughs> yeah, I was just but, I was right. just posting what he wrote as his email address into the chat, and then the fucking and then we got a preview <laughs> image, <laughs> the YouTube video of some fucking. No, 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 no. Don't spoil it. Don't All spoil right. it. <laughs> All right. Oh man. <laughs> In any event, uh, yes, IanSamuel.com. Uh, yeah. Please, please take. Pause the go podcast and, uh, and, and go to that URL. Treat yourself, yeah. and then and then put yourself in the mindset of somebody who would redirect their their named website to that. <laughs> <laughs> then press play again. Welcome back. Okay, so, so guys like this um, have it figured out to the point where they have completely lapped everybody on this podcast and everybody listening to this podcast. easily. Right. Um, and so they know that the right place to land is the academy, right? 
Right. And Ian is no different. He collects his check from Jones Day. And what is his next stop? Harvard. 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 Yeah, so Harvard has the, <laughs> one of these teaching fellowships that is something that I kind of think is a bit of a scam around the academy. I saw these. At, <laughs> yeah. I saw these at NYU, um, where you get these, you get these budding legal academics or a lot of people that are just kind of blown out from having uh, just done their couple of years at the firm, and uh, they they you have them teach legal writing or lawyering yeah. or whatever class and. Uh, they teach that, and then they're supposed to like you know they partner with a professor and they work on papers and stuff. And it and and their idea is that then you go on the market, and right. this gives the school access to some easy cheap labor and gives uh you know supposedly gives the person a bit of a leg up. The reason I say it's a bit of a scam is it doesn't work out for like I think most of these people, but you can dream and a couple of you will make it and 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 you know Ian does end up with a job. Right. And, and, you know, he has a sufficiently robust resume beyond that, that you could you could see him being one of the ones who does parlay that into a real job, which which he does. Maybe not the, the prestigious job that he wanted, but. Yeah, I think uh, I think where he ends up is kind of interesting because he ends up at Indiana University, uh, which is a great pull. Right. It's a great pull. And, yeah. and like ending up in the legal academy, I don't want to downplay it, is one of the cushiest jobs you can possibly get. You are higher paid. Than other academics generally, except maybe yeah. like a couple other, you know, professional schools, maybe business professors or med professors. I don't know at all. I'm not in the academy. But you teach like a right. class a year. You teach like one semester, and then you're just like trying to yeah. write and get tenure. Uh, and after you get tenure, I mean, you you know, you're fucking completely set. You don't have to do shit. Um, and so you, the only part of the hard year, uh, the only hard part of the year is grading. Uh, and and yeah. for a guy like Ian who loves the sound of his own voice, uh, not to criticize, I, I, I am apparently the same as I'm on a podcast right now. But <laughs> I love the sound of your voice. Thank you. Uh, I mean, this is like it's a great fucking job. You just put your foot up on the desk and fart into the air and 40 fucking yeah. turbo nerd sycophants rush in to sniff it. And like that. <laughs> It's fucking fantastic for your ego. Yeah. And so he gets his pull. However, I think the thing... That, however. However, for a guy with Ian's pedigree, if he was applying on the market maybe in like the early 2000s, yeah, he might clinch Yale or something, you know? Yeah. But yeah. credentialism has been, you know, swallowing this profession just like everything else. And... Uh, <laughs> right. And even his credentials are, are not, you know, as impressive as the guys who get a Ph.D. and a J.D. concurrently from Yale after graduating from Yale in undergrad, you know, with like over a 4.0. Right. The, like the fucking boy geniuses that that are getting jobs as, as a lot. Yeah. Professors as now. the field continues to narrow and the, and the, and the elite, you know, the, the air becomes thinner at the top. Uh, I don't know. So yeah. now, now we've also heard rumors, unsubstantiated rumors, that perhaps his marks at Harvard during the fellowship were not as great or something. Maybe that explains it. Um, yeah, I think whatever the, whatever the case, though, right? Like, I mean, it, we're not we haven't spoken to him. We don't know the guy uh, outside right. of his Twitter persona. No, we're just speculating. Because, but we are space. archaeologists yeah. of a sort here, right? And right. I think that this is where the tide begins to recede, yep. right? Like yeah. it has been an untrammeled march, you know, to the very top, uh, you know, Scalia, Jones Day, 
Harvard Fellowship. And then this sort of record scratch moment where he goes to the, what, what I think is, you know, the second best law school in Indiana. Right. If you're an right. Indiana student, we right. apologize for that, but I think yeah. I think if you'll check the rankings, uh, it's we're we're correct. And <laughs> I can say that because I went to literally the lowest ranked law school in the country, so it's fine. But um, there is something odd about that. Yeah, we're just breaking your balls, right? Uh, but yeah, yeah, I I think I'm a, we're projecting, but we're assuming that maybe Ian hoped he was going to place higher or whatever, right? Uh, but yeah, and and so there's a we speculated a bit about this. Like what explains it? Like maybe that's just the narrowing of the job market and he doesn't come from the right pedigree. You know, where, yeah. where's your hot undergrad and your crazy good connections and your, and your PhD and shit. We, we read what he wrote and I mean, sorry, Ian, since I guess you're listening, I'm guessing you're listening. I didn't find it that impressive. <laughs> it's, no, it's thin. It's thin. It's, it's yeah. And it's not that much. And it wasn't that, you know, insightful or, or, you know, groundbreaking or Which anything like that. Which is fine. Not everybody's got a yeah. fuck ton of ideas, but it is going to be important for clinching a job. You're, you know, reframing a debate in a way that nobody's ever thought of or something. And at least, like, I remember the article that we were discussing was called The New Writs of Assistance. And Ian was just okay. basically kind of pointing out that... Uh, you know, the private sector's collecting a lot of data about us. Law enforcement goes looking for that data and they get it. Uh, and, we, you know, that's bad. And we gotta find a we gotta find a way to stop <laughs> yeah. that. Um, I call these I call these kind of subpoenas and stuff. I call them the new writs of assistance, which like oh okay, Whoa. but but this is a concept that's well understood at the time he's publishing this paper. It's just there's nothing wrong with this, by the way, because I probably cannot write a better paper than this. I'm just saying. Well, ninety percent of legal scholarship is utter horseshit. Right. So it's it's just that, good right. It's yeah. It's just that this fits in. It doesn't stand out. That's all we're saying. It doesn't stand out. Right. It, it doesn't stop and make you think, right? Like there, there were throwaway comments and like appellate opinions I read about mass surveillance that that made me think more about this issue than than you know Ian's paper did. And so. you know, it's possible to um, Andy and I were having this discussion at one point. You know, like it's possible he's just not. I mean, he's obviously turbo smart, but he just might might not be that that kind of smart. Right. Right. He might be the right. kind of smart who's got a you know nice head of hair and you know speaks well and is glib, you know can can get up there and spin a good yarn in front of whoever, but uh, maybe isn't going to light the world on fire in terms of law review articles. Uh, right. Which and and to touch back on something we were talking about earlier, which is a real career path. Like okay, so we we talked about maybe IU he might have been hoping for higher or whatever that means. But here's the thing, man. He's a good-looking guy who gets, like, TV appearances and is starting to become a luminary that people are looking to for commentary, and he's got enough of a resume. Look, man, just publish your shit, and eventually, you know, you start getting a couple more TV spots. You'll do a visiting scholarship mm-hmm. someplace, and as long as you, you know, hit it out of the park for that one-semester class, that's it. You'll get your offer, and then you'll trade up your pedigree, do that one, two, three times, and you're up at the top. Right. The, the Elizabeth yeah. Warren. Right, right. I mean, plenty of people do that. Yeah. Or, or he could have been like a Jeffrey Tubin, right? Like he, as someone who who seemed to like having a public persona or, or something in that mold. Um, well, I certainly think TV he was going for that. Yeah. yeah, and that's so. I, I mean, yeah, there there are other paths, and he certainly is smart enough and capable enough, and, and to have to have hit that, I think. So, but. but 
<laughs> we are probably and now we come <laughs> to the cliff. Well, 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 wait. So, yeah. so I think you know, <laughs> Ian. If we're wrong, feel free to tweet at us. Uh, but I'm assuming yeah. when he was, you know, sitting in the mahogany lined chambers of one Tony Scalia uh, and envisioning his future, um, IU was not where he no. imagined. He would be, but 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 you can tell yourself it's a stepping stone, yeah. right? That's not where that's not where you're going to land. That's just you're where you start, right? So either way, you know he's he's maybe not achieved his dream, but he certainly hasn't fallen very far from. And I'll that tell you dream. what, now now I know we're getting real far afield as far as projecting what he might or may not have been thinking, <laughs> but to the extent he had a problem with it, but you achieved a lot of other people's fucking dream. Yeah. <laughs> Would yeah. be more than happy yeah. with a cush ass job where I just go in and talk about contracts basics to a bunch of fucking know nothing one else. Oh, shit, man. I, mean, I will literally <laughs> tell you both to go fuck yourself. Go tell my <laughs> job to fuck themselves and my children yes. uh, and pack up to that tonight and go to IU to teach. So, yes, I mean, he's yes. not doing too bad. Uh, ensconced in the, you know, leafy campus of IU. I assume it's leafy. I've never been there. Um, you know, he's on Twitter. Uh, he's being uh, something of a, you know, a pundit, right? I mean, he's, he's right. developing himself as a pundit. I, I believe at around that time, he wrote an article that I recall, uh, I sort of felt was maybe cribbing off of some other folks that we knew um, about pe- court packing. Right. Right. Yeah. Right. Um, being a real SJW generally on Twitter, um, you know, kind of being a me too, man. Uh, he had a, uh, I think Kozinski got canceled around that time, uh, and fired. Right. And he was part of a, a round table of ninth circuit clerks. You mean, you mean Kozinski advice. himself got, got canceled? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Right. Cause at, at around that time, Kaczynski got canceled and, and, and Ian was asked yep. to join a panel, including Leah Littman, his podcast partner and others for vice, uh, sort of video, uh, retrospective on me Too, the legal profession, et cetera. Um, and you know, I think he had things to say about Kavanaugh and, you know, I think was yeah. generally expressing all the right sort of. Oh, yeah. He was out in front of this stuff. When, when Kaczynski yeah. stepped down, he said, that's the right decision. Yep, that's correct. Uh, and and, and yeah. he said the same thing. He said, like, you know, believe Christine Blasey Ford, you know. I think uh, I think at, at he did. He did kind of do a, a little bit of a deflection uh, with um, <laughs> with. Yeah. Where he said something about, you know, if you're going to say you should have known. Yeah, Kaczynski right? and Kavanaugh. Anybody who tells you Kavanaugh should have known about those Kaczynski allegations. Uh, remember, because Kavanaugh was a Kaczynski clerk just like Ian. Uh, this is September right. 2018. Anyone who tells you Kavanaugh should have known about those Kaczynski allegations should be asked what they think about Hillary's affection for Harvey Weinstein. Okay. If you condemn both, okay. Okay. If you have a distinction at hand, you're a hack and GTFO. So, okay, I mean, credit, man. that's up. not exactly a doctrinaire SJW position, I guess. Uh, but it's certainly a hell of a lot of whataboutism. Uh, yeah, shut the fuck <laughs> yes, up. Yes, Deflecting on behalf of his boy Kaczynski uh, and throwing a little uh, uh, red meat to the Hillary crowd. Uh, you know, because... 
you can get you can get six thousand likes just uh, you know just saying something bad about Hillary. You know, uh, I certainly know that that's been my secret to success. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I don't so. I don't particularly disagree, but in the light of hindsight, and we're like you're a clerk, you are a guy who is, yeah. and this is the part of the story we're coming to now. You get me tooed. Yes. Right. And then allegations start popping up just like your boy Kaczynski from like first you get taken down at IU and then people are like, Oh, actually at the Harvard Fellowship there was some shit going on too. And then and then and in the fucking debate club. Yeah, and then people are like, Look, yeah. that's the shit. Everybody knew that back in two thousand five, two thousand six in the debate society. So now it starts to look it starts to reframe those kinds of comments uh a little bit different and a little bit you know, maybe a familiar frame for like the the very vocal male feminist uh, sex pest. Well, let me let me say before we get right into it, and I want to say this directly to, to Ian. Um, it's okay for me to comment on you getting me too, because I also think it was bad that Hillary was friends with mine soon. <laughs> uh, so there's no. <laughs> There's no daylight there. You could wedge something in on me, pal. Uh, I think they're both bad. I'm gonna co- I'm gonna co-sign that. I would say I have had some version of the following conversation 25 times. A guy will sort of you know you're sitting around, you're sort of talking, close friend, and he will describe an event in college or high school or something. He's like, I'm like as I reflect on that event, I am keenly aware that that was. Like, there are varying degrees of this, but like, I can see this very clearly now. Like, that is not okay. And it really is a conversation along the lines of simply the, sh- the, the shallowest version is like, you think something bad is gonna happen to me? Um, and he's like, I'm not saying it would be, like, it's not like, oh, I'm worried I'm gonna be falsely accused. It's more like, I'm worried that a truthful account of something that I did, that I feel bad about, um, will be said aloud in public, and I will experience a just punishment. Okay, so Ian star- I mean, this is important. This is this is important. Ian starts well, the, the school year normally starts in August. Now he he on his LinkedIn will tell you that you know it started in June, which okay, come on. But maybe right, maybe, but maybe he was working on his lesson plans or whatever. <laughs> but he's th- you know you start teaching in August, yes. like mid August, right? Okay, and he doesn't make it through the first semester. <laughs> no, <laughs> right? no, no. Um, he does not. Do we have the date when this came out? I, I hold on. Let me just Julius. I know um, it is after <laughs> he posts a picture with his preemie son, which is on October 29th, <laughs> yes. 2018. So it's sometime in November. Okay, can we just talk yeah, about that for November. a second? Because okay. that to me is one yes. of the greatest tweets. Well, of all time. Right, right, but that, but that's <laughs> yes, that's that's one I want to establish the canceling before we before okay, we talk about this. Okay, so so the the Title Nine yeah. gets going. Uh, because you know a group of students now we have some tweets from some various people we um, have no idea what actually happened we can only tell you what is alleged to have happened. right we're just relaying allegations a student organization uh tweeted that multiple more than 10 students came (laughs) forward and reported incidents of uh ian samuel groping them at a local bar marer that's the name of the law school marer sent an email to students that Ian Samuel voluntarily admitted himself to a hospital. 
to now, a that hospital. is December 1st, <laughs> so we can assume, we can kind of understand that this happened, like, at some point in November uh, is when the investigation got started. Now, Ian, I guess, checks himself into a hospital. Um, I, I mean... I don't. I have no idea if that was in good faith or bad faith. I can kind of assume, though, that Ian understood, being a smart person, that he just really threw himself off the fucking cliff with his behavior here, and he could probably right. see the ground coming up pretty fast. So, him checking himself into a hospital, uh, it probably he probably understood that something really bad was happening. He may have been thinking about doing something to himself. I don't know, but that that that's yeah. that was the story that happened. Yeah. Um, now I can tell you that my impressions. Because I was following this case uh, with rapt attention, uh, <laughs> as you might imagine. Because, again, I'm not here to say, I'm not here to tell anything that I'm not allowed to tell. But, I, I mean, we knew this was coming. We knew. Yeah, we, oh, knew. Yeah. we knew. We knew this yeah. was coming because of certain behaviors that were occurring and easily visible in the likes tab of the gentleman. Um, and we yes. are not at liberty to say, but all three of us are thinking of particular friends of ours who were right. uh, the recipients of various conversations and, and, and advances by Ian. Yes. Right. So while his wife was pregnant, which we were aware, aware so of. So coming to the picture that Tarek <laughs> wanted to discuss. Now, okay, remember. No, one the, other thing I wanted the, to say, though. One, oh, one, one other, but another, another piece of information that I was given that I cannot – verify the veracity of the source or anything else there's two there was two there's one there was the tweet that also indicated that this was a long time coming because he was a known pest at debate society uh functions which i assume in 2004 right that that was yeah that's creepy bad behavior was the worst kept secret in npda which is national parliamentary debate association debate Back in 2004. So, yeah, this isn't surprising now. Right. And then I was led to understand that some of the context for the story that was he was in some one of the one of the notorious undergrad bars. Right. 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 Like nobody like no professor has any business being in that bar is is our understanding uh, of the situation. Well, I mean, again, I think that there are. I think there are legitimate criticisms of cancel culture, so so to speak. I don't think they're generally offered in good faith, but one could certainly put together a fairly robust criticism of cancel culture. But uh, and also, you know, Title uh, Title Nine, it, I think, can be criticized in terms of due process concerns in a valid way. It usually isn't. I tend to want to believe allegations when they come out and side with victims. Uh, as I think we all do. Uh, but in this case, it doesn't seem like there's a whole, whole yeah, lot of doubt. I don't think, I don't <laughs> no, think the fears that people no. have about those things or the problems that people might have with due process or the way investigations proceed, that stuff's not raised by this case um, because, of, yeah. because, you know, Ian, you know, publishes a letter when he resigns his position, which will be the next May, he resigns his position right. essentially admitting all the central facts. Uh, but, right. but wait, but wait, wait, I want to, we will come back to that. Let's go back to the timeline. Now, remember where we are. Okay, right. early early December, December 1st, we get this report that Ian has checked himself into a hospital. Um, the uh, An email is sent to the students by the law school, which says, look, somebody's going to grade your papers. Don't worry. You're not <laughs> fucked. Um, uh, I am curious how that 
<laughs> I am curious how that grenade turned out. Um, but so then we go, so we, we us we we seeing all this. We go and look at like what has Ian been posting for the last yeah. What's he bit. been up to? And what we see is that Ian, <laughs> in on October 20, 29th, two thousand eighteen. Now remember, if an investigation kicks off saying ten people were groped by Ian, and he started teaching in August. And the investigation happens and, in November, then that means that we know that sometime between August and November, not a lot of fucking time, Ian has been doing this shit. He's been he's been groping someone allegedly like once a week for his like entire I time. I think this might all happen in one night, but it could have been yeah, one bad know. night. Yeah. Right. Yeah, it could have been one very bad night. But for I sure. have no I, I don't uh, uh but on October yeah. 29, thousand eighteen, he posts a picture that's the, the post says, introducing my beloved son, Seamus McHugh Samuel. And the picture is one of the funniest posts I've ever seen in my fucking life. It's so insanely narcissistic. Ian is what? in focus, and his yeah. prematurely delivered son, who... I mean, it's from the, it's from the NICU, right? It's I mean, from the NICU. Yeah, it's from yeah, the there NICU. Is, like, his, his son yeah. appears to be intubated. Like... <laughs> <laughs> Now, now, I say appears to be because his head is out of focus. <laughs> you can't see the kid. You can't see him. Oh, man. It's just like it's a total thirst trap selfie oh, yeah. with the kid just like in the bottom corner, just all blurry. He's, he's bare chested. I mean, I, I mean, he could be naked. Yes. All I know. Um, ho- holding his premature son to his midsection skin to skin is a normal thing in the hospital it's good for moms and good for dads i'm standing up for that but this is a weird fucking picture yeah he says introducing my beloved son and his son is out of focus and he is making bedroom eyes at the fucking camera no looking up like he's holding the phone up over his head in classic thought style you know duck facing it you know Yes, I'm stealing somebody's joke here, but all while like crimping his son's air hose, you know, like straining to get you know the right angle. Well, you you just know that he has like the latest iPhone and is sitting there like adjusting the focal length on the picture until until his face is like perfectly in focus and doesn't even notice that the. I gotta say, he looks fantastic. Yeah, his eyes they're they're stunning. I get lost in them every time I go to laugh at. That is for sure. That is for sure. So yes, in October he's thirst trapping with his with his premature son in the uh, the the infant the newborn ICU, right? And by December he's checked into rehab for sex addiction or something. I don't know. Right? <laughs> it's just. The most stunning timeline, and so the and so yes. so what you you have to understand is so his his son was born like I think it says in one of the replies seven weeks early, so his wife yeah. is about seven months pregnant when their son is born, which means that he's doing the shit that he gets canceled for. He is you know groping these students apparently according to this account, uh, while his wife is fucking six seven months pregnant. Or, or, in theory, if it all did happen on one bad night, it could have happened right after the premature birth. Oh it could have happened like the, the, first week of no- yeah. Yeah, the first week of November or something like that. I mean, she's, she's that, still at the that, hospital, that so, so the crib's empty. You know? I don't know what you got going yeah, on exactly. later. Exactly. <laughs> 
fuck, oh man? my god and, well it's it's not it's not fucking good no there's 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 no timeline where this this looks great it's, it's now, obviously really the bad thing is uh the sexual harassment and and at least in the allegations here you know groping is a sexual assault um but it yeah. is an amplifying fact. It's fucking worse if you have a pregnant, ready to deliver wife who delivers prematurely. <laughs> it's worse. It's it's, yeah. it's just worse. It's it is, absolutely. So he he issues his apology. Right? There's sort of a, a wait, mixed reaction to it. Wait, 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 wait. I want to I want to back up here. So so the investigation concludes. May 1st. So he's put on leave, okay? He doesn't teach the next semester. He doesn't go to the university. He is just chilling out in California or wherever. Um, And then in May, at the end of the spring semester, the provost explains, you know, the the university announces or at least tells him or whatever that the investigation is complete. Now, on May 10th, we get a letter that Ian posts on his Twitter that he apparently sent to the provost uh, and and we'll talk about the letter in a second. But I think what we can understand, I'm making some inferences here, but I'm pretty sure I'm right. The provost called and said, "Ian, you want to come in? You want to come in? Let's let's <laughs> yeah. talk about what happened." So yeah. the investigation's wrapped up, and I can tell you what we found, <laughs> and I can tell you here's the testimony we got. Here's here's how many people yeah. corroborated that. Uh, here's what happened that night, as far as I know, and here's what's about to happen to your job. Now, if you would like to fall on your sword and leave we, we can do that um if you would like me to do it for you i fucking will right i i think that's i think that's almost definitely yeah. what had to have happened here and then he writes this letter and he's like all right let's keep the details of the investigation under seal and uh i'll i'll get the fuck out of here which the letter is the like the smarmiest <laughs> non-apology apology it's it's bad Interesting. So tell me why, because I actually think there are parts of the letter that are good, but I think that are just sort of symptomatic of Ian's good writing and not, you know, necessarily symptomatic of true uh, contrition. But yeah, well, that's that's I think that's that's the feeling I get is it doesn't feel sincere to me. Uh, I I don't know. I got to say, like, at this point, Every word other than I'm sorry and I resign uh, to spare us both the humiliation of, that, of, what's, <laughs> of what's to come is self-serving, flowery horseshit. You know, so, Damn. yeah, I mean, okay. Okay. there are places I'll, where he said, I mean, I he does fuck. sort of admit it, right? Like he says, <laughs> I was drinking it to excess in public place I shouldn't have been in, company I shouldn't have kept, treating people present in ways they didn't deserve. You know, those are all sort of words of admission uh there are words of contrition i was becoming an ugly man uh although he didn't say i was yeah an ugly man you know right uh, these are, i'm sure these words are cheap I mean, lawyers know you know I, I mean there's a whole lot of there's a whole lot of horseshit here for a letter that should have taken a paragraph <laughs> right there, there's a whole there, there's a whole paragraph about how like he really respects the victims and he imagines and it makes perfect sense that they wouldn't want to run into him in Indiana. And it's like you don't you don't need to explain that you understand why the people affected by this were would prefer if you didn't remain at the university. Like I don't need, you know, five sentences of of prose on that. That's not it just this I don't is, know, it, it kind of This is the kind of apology I think that is meant to be an exhibit 
in the record of his redemption arc. Interesting. It says all the right things. It gives sort of lip service to the right people, and it sets him up for, you know, I was becoming an ugly man, I own all of this, and later I will not be an ugly man because I didn't become one. There's a weird thing in here um, where he says, well, I don't think I'm breaching any confidences by saying that the allegations in this case describe <laughs> me, you know, drinking and all, all the stuff that Tark said earlier, um, you know, treating people present in ways they didn't deserve, that kind of stuff. Now, the thing about this letter that gets me, the thing about that sentence that gets me is, who the fuck are you talking to? You're talking to the provost. The provost knows what happened in the investigation. The provost, yeah. remember, right. Ian, the provost is the one that called you and said, uh, right. and said, here's what the investigation found, where you're yeah. going to fucking fire you. So right. when you say, well, I don't think I'm breaching any confidences, you're talking to us because you're writing the letter right. to us. Yeah, no, it's, it's yeah. literally a letter to Andy. Right. right, it's, it's a, not a right. letter to the. It's it, it. It doesn't serve a fun. It does. It's not a utilitarian document that serves a function of let's please end this for all of our sakes. Right. As an actual resignation letter to the provost, it's fucking absurd. Interesting. It's, it is. Yeah, and it seems to. And Tark, you were you were starting in on this earlier. It seems to land. It has its effect because. Yeah. He posts it online and says, for reasons I explain in this letter, I am, you know, resigning my uh, position at Indiana University, effective immediately, or effective Friday, or effective to close of business today, something like that. And uh, the replies just load up with people going, oh, my God, this is a very Catholic apology letter. Now, now keep in mind, it's not an apology <laughs> at all, right, because it's not addressed to the victims yeah. and it doesn't talk to them and it doesn't cover any of the things you need to do in apology, which is like admit what you did account for it explain all the details of what you did and say why it's wrong and make a tone you know you know atone for make amendments shit like that it doesn't do any of that stuff um it just says man i feel really fucking bad and i agree that it was wrong uh, and i'm gonna be different now um but but the responses yeah. are all just like clap emoji yeah you this is an yeah. incredible apology ian fucking amazing you know so many people this is this is how you do it this is how you do it. And that, so, yeah, and that's the thing. Like, his closing paragraph, he says, like, in addition to confession and contrition, in other words, sin requires punishment. <laughs> Part of mine is that I'll no longer be on the faculty at Indiana University, and I cannot recall that result unjust. And it's just like, yeah, get off the fucking cross, dude. You, you groped <laughs> some girls, yeah. and, and, and now you're fired, yeah. right? Like, Jesus Christ. Like, yeah, it's very Catholic in that sense because this guy's making it out. Like, he's you know, no, a mean, fucking it's, martyr. It's literally, here. like, the seediest horse shit that, like, any fucking dumbass can do, you know? Like, yeah. I could get shit-faced and go grope somebody tomorrow. You know, like, it, it doesn't – it's – it's it. there's nothing – special about this and the sort of the vaunted kind of highfalutin language that's that's being put in here is just it's preposterous right it's a little self-congratulatory well no it's it's a record letter it literally is a a a letter to be placed in the record of what he again i think still continues to believe will be a public life and that this was right this was the acceptance you know of this heroic figure uh, of his own mortal failings, uh, and after that, he was reborn phoenix-like. <laughs> As we will explain Christ in the third like, act yes, of this you know. episode. <laughs> <laughs> the incredible third oh, act. Man, it is good. It's so good. He eyed me off as I approached, and then he 
And I guess that's a good time to talk uh, about uh, the latest chapter. Well, so, well, so so we got we got to do denouement on that one, right? So so what happens afterwards? He loses he loses his job. He also seemed. I mean, we don't know what happened, but um, I guess there's some question about whether and how well his marriage is continuing, um, or, or, not, or continuing. not continuing. I I think there was there was a certain number. Of, uh, I've I heard but could not find uh, that he had tweeted something that suggested he's. He's divorced. I'll say this. He has some adventurous Twitter likes if he is not. <laughs> yes. Yes. Um, yes. Ian, again, uh, operating under the assumption that you are listening, just a note, and I hate, I shouldn't do this, but people can see what you're Brother, liking. everybody sees that yeah. shit, man. People can see what you're it, liking. It's called the likes It tab. gets posted in multiple oh DMs. Oh, my God, man. <laughs> Oh, Ian, like this, this pig, this girl's tits again. Yeah. Okay, so so Ian is in free fall, and what we find, so this takes a little bit of detective work, but Ian ends up kind of rescued from free fall by dun 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 Alex Kaczynski. Kaczynski. Okay, so Kaczynski is He's back. Kaczynski himself got canceled, remember? He's not a judge anymore. Now, Kaczynski is back in federal court. He recently appeared, I think, for oral argument at the Ninth Circuit, and he's getting big work. He's a big shot. He's a good lawyer whatever. So he has been working, among other things, on the James Brown case. And we know this because there are files in the James Brown estate case, which we're going to talk about a little bit, that uh, include Alex Kaczynski's name. Now, there's a tweet where Ian explains that one of the things he's been working on is the estate of the James Brown case. So if you put all this stuff together, you can see that, oh, oh my God, he okay. he's working with Alex. He's working with Alex Kaczynski yeah. on, the, on the estate of the James Brown case. And this is an interesting case because it's a fucking mess. It's been going on since forever. I mean, you, if, if you remember, like if, if you're, you know, if you're in your mid-20s, you probably or a child when James Brown died. Um, James Brown died right. in 2006. But the estate case yeah. uh, has been going on since forever. Now, if you've been to law school, you'll know that this is not uncommon at all. Rich people's estates uh, get litigated for fucking decades. Yeah. Um, but all his kids are With fighting. With just an army of lawyers crawling all over. Him. Oh, yeah, yeah, just eating them all alive. Yeah yeah, yeah. 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 So all his kids are fighting over the estate, and they want that. What they want to do is invalidate his last wife's claim, along with his last wife's son, with James Brown's claim. Um, right. They made that kid take a paternity test, and uh, it's like this. It's basically like this hail mary because they lost some other pieces of the case because they tried to prove. They tried to invalidate the marriage. They tried to invalidate the will. They tried to invalidate the son's claim, and the shit just isn't isn't happening. Um. So, the the funny parts of this case, I don't know do, if you guys want to jump. <laughs> I don't know if crazy. you guys read this stuff. Yeah, okay. yeah. So so it's all like it's like a series of bigamy claims. Yeah, right. <laughs> like exactly. a, a Russian nesting doll of bigamy. <laughs> no, <yeah. laughs> yes. yes. <laughs> Saved by double bigamy. Yeah. So right. So the kids argue that her marriage is not valid. Because she was already married to some other guy named uh, what Javed Ahmed, 
right before she marries. Yep. James and if you're Brown. already married and then you get married, that second marriage is not binding, not legal, and no rights are going to pass to you. She says, "Well, guess what? Javed Ahmed was married to, uh, to some other women, multiple women in Pakistan, when he married me." Fucking psycho <laughs> so, Yu-Gi-Oh reverse. So card, that bitch. shit, that shit was reverse <laughs> null and void <laughs> ad initio. So you never have the marriage, <laughs> that marriage to, to throw at me in the first place. And she fucking she wins. Fucking on she fucking wins on that. Yeah. So now, so so that so that was their that was their attempt in South Carolina, and then what's going on in California now is they're they're trying this really wild uh, tactic in California to sue on the Copyright Act and argue that uh, she they use the phrase duplicitous machinations to deprive them of their rightful interest in James Brown's music, and so um, and so that's. That's the the messy family law case, um, which is a good harbinger of things to come in the rest of this episode. Uh, yeah, but let me just say something, uh, which I just thought of. You know, in a, in a weird way, like when Kaczynski was canceled, right? Ian went on Vice and kind of sold the brother out a little yeah, bit. Yeah, he did. Right? Yeah, 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 he did. But when Ian got canceled, who was there to catch him? Yeah. You know, when there was yeah. one set of footprints, who was carrying Ian? <laughs> <laughs> right? I kind of Alex Kaczynski kept the bro code, right? Like, I, I kind of wonder yeah. if Alex saw those tweets. I kind of think yeah. I think he probably did not. Yeah, I don't know yeah. if Alex knows about uh, Ian going on Vice and kind of talking some shit about it. Um, but look because... how these people look out for each other, right? Like yeah. canceled, canceled guy yeah. one looking out for canceled guy two. It's beautiful. Dudes rock. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's very touching. There's something very unique about academia, which is uh, although the students want to call you a professor, the professors really want to call you a lecturer. I didn't really love the dichotomy and that I didn't feel like a professor per se. I really felt like it was a little bit more of how I um, how I spend my summers. And so how I spend my summers is I spend, I have my uh, summer uh, summers with my uh, children, my five children. And uh, for the last few years anyway, I went to their summer camp, uh, their overnight summer camp, and all, all six of us would be there together, and I coached teams, and everyone called me Coach Winehouse. And that felt more natural. But I think more importantly uh, is what I do when I work with with teams, uh, which is I coach. Uh, I coach my framework, I, co- coach, uh, I coach about the iron laws and the analytic tools. Okay, okay, listeners, I just, I, I do want to have a little bit of a topic break here. This is the last chapter. This is the third chapter. This is what Ian is, is doing it. now. This is, this is how far he's fallen. Or how far Brace he's yourself. risen. <laughs> on your so, Ian announced to some modest fanfare uh, on Twitter that he was forming a new law firm. Um, yeah. And it was like, a, this is a, the next chapter of his life. Uh, he's opening what appears to be uh, an appellate boutique, right? And we talked before about right. there being appellate shops and then being sort of small and insular and elitist and clubby, right? So it, there, there's a certain right. amount of sense. Uh, I mean, sort of a series of red flags, though, begin to pop up. Yes. First of all, 
it's not like Samuel LLP or whatever, right? Like he's he's right. decided to break the tradition and call it Saint Monique Appellors. App- Right, which an appellor, I guess, is some antiquated term for a lawyer who does appeals. In the unlisted YouTube that they post on their website, explaining it's like ten minutes explaining the name, uh, skipping the central fact that we will explain. they they talk about this word appellors and talk about yeah, I just liked it and it's kind of a dead word uh, and that's one of the reasons we picked it. But you know, I think again, if you if you go to the website San Monique Appellors, um, you see what isn't outrageous from a appeal from an elite appeal standpoint, which is two guys, a former Supreme Court right. clerk, and uh, a more august, rugged-looking gentleman. Um, yeah, o- older man who, who, by his own description, has advocated at all levels of the federal court system and a legal generalist yeah, generalist legal generalist uh, you know, commercial family civil rights jurisdiction experience advocated at all levels of the federal court system absolutely yeah yeah we we saw that and i was like okay it looks like ian found another guy and and they and they got you know they're doing something yeah, legit yeah it makes sense and, and 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 he is like an older guy so you could see someone of his age having a, a yeah. A big pedigree, yeah, like a rugged guy, you yeah. know, like balding, and you know, like uh, seems to be uh, <laughs> a credible. He has gravitas, right? Like apparently, yeah, yeah. Gravitas. He looks distinguished. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Um, yes, but then you start scratching, <laughs> you know, yes. at, at, at the surface, and what you find out is uh, like this is literally the most family court. Thing that has ever it, fucking happened. This shit has so Incredible much Incredible divorced, divorced dad, dad yeah. energy. <laughs> it's, it's out of control. So so credit to Julius, our intern, for first discovering that uh, Ian's partner graduated law school in 2018. Right. right. I mean, this so, older this older man with all this apparent gravitas who's advocated at all levels of the federal court system. You can't have a resume like that if you've only been a lawyer for a year and well, a half. Well, but let's back up. You've only... Who's okay. St. Monica? Yeah, yeah. So, wait. So, <laughs> St. So, Monica. So they have this video on... They have this video on their website explaining the title of it. And one of the things that Ian says, he says, like, look, we just didn't want to go with the normal naming convention where you had named the partner and brand it that way. And I just, like, I kind of like St. Monica, and I think that, like, I just think that, like, you know, she's great. And he doesn't really go into, he omits the central fact of why they obviously picked St. Monica. And when you, I mean, this is sort of a better surprise, I think, than going to iansamuel.com. If you go to the Wikipedia and you read, I'm going to have to blow surprise. If you read what St. Monica is famous for, she is uh, famous for, I mean, the, the, the primary travail she had to deal with was the adultery of her husband. She is the patron yeah. saint of difficult marriages. And alcoholics. <laughs> According to Ian's own words when he tweeted about her in, like, November 2019. yes. 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 The patron saint yes. of alcoholics and troubled marriages. <laughs> Fucking amazing. That's what their law firm is named after. By the way, 
you, when you watch the video, which I hope you do, listeners, of them explaining it, you got to look at his partner's face as he reveals that, like, it's named after St. Monica, because it's, like, the most depressing, distant, like, empty stare you can imagine. <laughs> like, you can see the wheels turning in his head. Like, who the fuck is this guy? I don't think he even knew that that's what they were named after up until that that moment it's it's fantastic so his partner's name is edward winehouse but edward is known generally colloquially uh, to his friends <laughs> and everyone else as coach coach his name on the website coach. is edward quote coach winehouse edward coach winehouse is probably the biggest pimp uh, I think I have read about in quite some time. This guy fucking rocks so hard. I strongly encourage anyone to look up his LinkedIn, but we'll be hitting some of the highlights. All yes. right, but let's get a couple of the red flags out of the way. All right, you've already brought up the fact yeah. that this august, distinguished litigator who has joined up with this former Scalia clerk to form a new sort of appellate boutique uh, graduated in 2018. Uh, he's also a right. crypto guy. Now, keep in mind his bio. <laughs> his bio on the website does not say that he graduated in 2018. Does no, it, it doesn't. No, it, it gives the impression that he's been practicing for decades. <laughs> That's the only way you'd have that resume is if you'd been practicing law for decades. But so you start to th- okay, how is it possible that he's now saying on the website that he's practiced at all levels? Of, yeah. But if you read the website, he's saying that he has advocated. At all levels of the federal court system. Well, I will say, I mean, if we want to get into that, that is effectively true. It is true. (laughs) That is a true statement. If you look up Coach on Pacer, you get some interesting stuff. First is that as a litigant, as a litigant, uh, he was in a a lawsuit. um, Anyway, and I guess he was successful or whatever. As a represented litigant. Now, he has... He has uh, actual credits at the trial court level, at the appeals court level, and at the Supreme Court. Of the United States. Of the, the very United same place States. That's right. so Ian Samuel. It is a technically true right. statement to say. Now, when you look at the case, he is representing himself pro se. It is a custody dispute with his ex <laughs> And it's and it's clear it's clear he went to law school for the sole reason that he could try these cases. The only and these se. are the only cases. Like I'm not that's, leaving that's anything it. out. I've just that's read it. you his entire fucking pacer. And, and they they all kick off like right when he gets like in June 2018. Oh, yeah, he goes so like a month. Right? Can I can I can I just can I just say something? Family court. It's called family court because it's in family court, right? Like, <laughs> it's not in real court. <laughs> like the fact that you got family court issue all the way to the Supreme Court of the United States. Like, you got out of the state court system. You got into federal courts. You got to the appellate court. You're like, this is unreal to me. Like, now, how does now, this happen? Yes. Now, I'll tell you. I'll tell you. Now, keep in mind, though. So he. He goes to the trial court, and the trial court says, get the fuck out of here, right? Now, <laughs> yes. now he's making yes. filings like crazy. He's filing like 75 yes. motions. And then 
they move for sanctions or whatever, and he tries to he tries all these little tricks to like dismiss his ex wife from the case, so that way they can't award attorneys fees, and um, he he thinks he's real fucking slick. So then he then he appeals to the Seventh Circuit, right. and the Seventh Circuit is looking at this, going, "What the fuck is going on here?" So the say there's this the, you yeah. know the, the attorneys file a sanctions motion, they they win uh, the case, and they right. win on their sanctions motion. And then he, after losing that, the court fucking bench slaps him and says, uh, "Let me fucking uh, it might have ex- oh yeah, let me read this order." So <laughs> yeah, please okay. Yeah, it's please on do July sixteenth, two thousand nineteen, the court affirmed the judgment of the district court and determined that the appeal was frivolous because appellant Edward Winehouse's appeal satisfied the standard for sanctions under Rule thirty eight of the Federal Rules of Appellate Procedure. Listeners, that's something you never want to fucking see. We yeah. granted Appley's motion for sanctions and ordered Appley's to file a court statement attorney fees and other expenses reasonably incurred. Uh, blah, blah, blah. They did so. Winehouse responded. Okay. Um, now, let me get down here. <laughs> we also direct the clerk of this court to forward a copy of this order and our July 16 order to the State Bar of California. <laughs> So he fucking, he fucking he graduated law school and was immediately <coughs> referred by the Seventh Circuit <laughs> to the bar. He pa- I'm not even sure if he was barred yeah. yet at that. He passed point. the bar. Like, I'm not convinced. Well, well, something I saw said he passed the bar in like 2018 uh, in California, um, and now, yeah, by by September 2019, he's referred to the State Bar of California Jesus. by the Seventh Circuit. Um, and then the next yeah. two entries in the docket are him filing a petition for writ of cert. He's taken his wife <laughs> and court. her fucking parents, her septuagenarian parents, to the and Supreme his five <laughs> children to the yeah. Supreme Court. <laughs> it's fucking unbelievable. The the, san- <laughs> the sanctions motion is um, uh, incredible. It is like you, it's clear the attorney is writing with the voice of like I actually have a good client this time. And <laughs> yes. uh, they have the fire of inspiration. So you guys want to read some of these quotes? I'm going to read the first one. So this is from the sanctions motion. And these are these guys explaining to the court why this is so fucked up. Winehouse, though, decided to continue hostilities against his ex-wife. In 2015, for example, he harassed Natalie by writing messages in chalk on the sidewalk outside her home. As a result, the state court prohibited him from approaching her home. In that same year, Winehouse filed six criminal complaints with the police against Natalie. Those charges were summarily dismissed. Meanwhile, in the domestic relations court, he filed seven motions, all pro se, challenging various issues. So they're just like, this guy's fucking going berserk on him. You guys want to read one of the other ones? The the one that I think sort of shows the level uh, of legal acumen. <laughs> I know what you mean. <laughs> yes. That coach. Yeah, I know it's coming. Coach is bringing to the table uh, to the San Monique Apollors. Get your fucking uh, notepads, listeners. Is where they say. Yeah. Invoking. 42 U.S.C. Section 1983 and 1985 of the Civil Rights Act, the Magna Carta. Boom. The war between the states, Lincoln's house divided speech, the abortion debate, and the television program justified Winehouse. (laughs) Winehouse now argues that his parenting time is limited in Illinois. (laughs) 
not not because he agreed to it twice. <laughs> twice. Doesn't matter. But because he is a Missouri resident. It's it's beautiful. So he's alleging that uh, his ex-wife and or her parents are state actors. And then going all the way back to the Magna Carta, uh, all to, yeah. I think, assert the claim that they're dis- dis- discriminating against him because he's from Missouri. Right? <laughs> right. Which, which the court addresses addresses squarely. <laughs> Putting aside the absurdity that the defendants are motivated by some hatred of Missourians, <laughs> it is implausible that Winehouse cited nearly two dozen cases regarding discrimination against out-of-state residents spending over 200 years <laughs> without uncovering the cases directly on point. So this is literally family uh, court, the law firm. Yeah. That yeah. Ian has formed. Now, I was trying to figure out what Ian and Coach saw in each other. Um, and the only theory I could come up with is that Coach has somehow uh, mortgaged his home to keep it from Karen. Uh, and is using that money to fund this operation, right? I mean, that, that, that's got to be the right. only explanation. And Ian's bringing the clout yeah, and the I, ability. I, these, these guys met on some, like, divorced dad forum or some <laughs> support group or, or some shit like that, and we're like, it's fucking kismet. This guy wants to go to the Supreme Court. I worked at the Supreme Court. Yeah. This is this is great. We have similar interests. And, uh, yeah, exactly. They have so much in common. Uh, now, now to take yeah. it back to the Ian story, at least a little bit, is that, like, the whole point of getting all of this clout uh, is that you get to rub elbows with all the big wigs, all the big shots. You get to occupy the yeah. highest echelons and all the cool, uh, you know, all the cool studies with leather back chairs and, and old mahogany uh, bookcases and you get to uh, name drop and fucking star fuck and again just like shit out uh, the most tepid opinions and have all sorts of uh, turbo nerd law students uh, fawn over them and Mm -hmm. that is the place where Ian was so close to getting and instead he was there there. yeah and then he just could not keep his fucking hands to himself and he yeah. apparently groped several students who fucking airholed his career. And <laughs> right. now he has fallen to the point that this is his business partner, Coach. Coach, the guy who is quoting Justified in appellate briefs about his wife. <laughs> <laughs> and and, and I, I want to make a point uh, Andy had made in the chat to us earlier. Um which is that, like, Ian, it may have worked a little bit against him here that he was at uh, a less prestigious law school at, at this point, right? Because, you know, these students that he was allegedly groping and harassing, they're not applying to the Supreme Court, right? They're not, they don't have Harvard fellowships or, you know, jobs in the Solicitor's General's Yeah, there's, 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 no, there's no Amy, the future. There's, no, there's no Tiger Mom. Telling you just right. uh, just wear the right clothes and just get along and you'll get you'll be fine in two days. Right. There there's there's no way this guy is gonna act as a stepping stone to something bigger for them, right? That that they don't see him as a gatekeeper to this new class 
that that he has been striving for his whole life and and so they don't have that downside that you might have at, at a more august institution right so he kind of got screwed yeah, we, uh, well, so <laughs> we were point. we were talking about this in the context of why and it's just a mystery about the about the case that the, you know there, to which there might not be any perceivable perceivable answer but why did it happen at IU and not at Harvard, right? Because we know after the investigation right. drops at IU, we know that plenty of people, or at least more than one person at Harvard, said, yeah, I did not have a great experience with Ian also. Somebody, didn't he, he supposedly followed someone home? Yeah, that's what I heard. I don't Harvard, have the particulars right? on it, so I'm yeah. like, you know, antsy about yeah. stating it. But my understanding right. is that, yes, that he, that he. That's the uh, yeah tagging along in a way that's like creepy. You know, you're texting your friend like, oh, "Why is Ian? Does Ian think he's coming back to my house? What the fuck is going on? I don't know. Something like that. Yeah. Um, uh, right. That's uh, like a rumor we heard. Uh, so like, what? Why did it happen in Indiana? And and, and who knows? I mean, there's a like hundred different possibilities. Maybe you just fucked with the wrong person. You know, maybe you just, you right. just fucked with the wrong person in Indiana, and they were like, "Absolutely not. You fu- like you don't do that to me." Or yeah. Uh, you know, maybe maybe Me Too wasn't as in uh, full swing in... Right. When he was at Harvard. Yeah, when he was at Harvard, right? Because right. It, it doesn't start until late 2017. Uh, that's, right. that's when Me Too kicks off in, like, October 2017. So, so that's one possibility. But another possibility is the one you just mentioned, which is uh, at least one inhibiting factor is that people at Harvard are looking at the possibility that maybe they will go to the Supreme Court. They have a very real chance of that. It's 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 a little more distant, I think, for uh, law students in Indiana. But maybe the, but maybe the people at Harvard are thinking, look, I don't want a new enemy in this you know elite circle. I'm trying right. to gain entrance to or whatever. So look, I'm just gonna. Right. He could be a, a letter of reference yeah. for me. Right. For, or if you just, if you just or, let it go. Yeah. At a minimum, it is hard to take on people who are in positions of power however right the thing that we're getting at is that maybe at indiana this guy didn't have the same power over them like you know you're indiana you're going for a regional law firm and what the fuck is he gonna do for you with that talk about a fucking scalia so much of power is perception and yeah 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 so yeah and and the other and the related point i wanted to make was that you know like ian was was nice to me um, at a point when one a friend of mine went through a tough time and I tweeted about it and like a GoFundMe and Ian gave money and he retweeted it and encouraged other people to give money. And, uh, you know, I'm basically a, a nobody on Twitter, or a, an essential stranger to him. And my friend is even more attenuated, but it was a generous thing to do. And it seemed very heartfelt and I'm sure it was. But, you know harassers are able to do that because they're in positions of power and privilege. And the other thing you can do when you're in positions of power and privilege is be very generous, right? In, in doling out favors and, and gifts. And, and that's how all these guys end up with a network of defenders whenever these accusations come up, right? I was I was reticent to, to talk anything bad about him for, for a while. So... Really, I'm the brave one here. Yeah, <laughs> coming forward with your We're story. Going in on, yeah, yes, willing to go in on no, him. No, but anyway. I, I agree. I but, mean, that, that that is a real feature, often of an abuser or harasser, is is that they have built in networks of protection, often by uh, advocating or getting out in front of you know right. feminist issues, uh, and then yeah. Uh, and then it, you know you can be reticent to criticize and go, well, did I? Is that really what happened? Did he really mean to brush me in that way? Maybe that was just an accident. Um, 
and yeah. and the, and through that they can enlist people in helping them get away. I think what I've taken away from this is uh, somebody who spent many years uh, quietly loathing Ian. <laughs> Um, as he rose ever higher to places that were shut off for me for various reasons, mostly of my own doing. Um, now that he's fallen to just another divorced dad, you know, I'm ready to embrace him. Uh, I, <laughs> like, I mean, I've, now that him and coach, like, I finally can relate to the guy. Uh, so in a way, this is his redemption arc. Although I don't think it was the one he was writing that uh, <laughs> resignation letter for. But uh, buddy, uh, anytime you want to have a divorced dad beer, you know, give me a call. Oh, I'm sure you're gonna be getting. Uh, I'm sure he's gonna want to. He's, he's gonna take you up on that one after listening to this episode. Yeah, yeah, for sure. That's that's. He'll be our guest on the next episode. I. I God, I still have this thing up in front of me. I'm just going to read it, even though it's a little bit of a non sequitur for where we're at. The the conclusion of this the, fucking this... motion for sanctions by the, uh, <laughs> by the coach, guy. the coach motion, it's so coach, fire. Yes. This guy, I'm telling you, is it's writing so good. With, like the fire of righteousness. He says, if this this is a conclusion, if this court is scratching his head as to why it is dealing with this appeal or what the arguments Winehouse made are, it is not alone. fucking sledgehammer a legal education is a privilege not a tool for harassing the mother of one's five children her septuagenarian parents or her new husband holy shit you are fucking stomped (laughs) sanctions granted best of luck to San Monica Pellers Sucks,